The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. This is Voices of Unity. This is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise to help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. I'm Ellen Debenport. I'm the host and kind of an MC for this show. Our guests for Voices of Unity are sometimes unity ministers, but also others who can share something special they've learned, a body of work. And they're not just one-time guests. They stay for several weeks so we can truly explore their areas of special interest, what they know about. Sometimes they talk about unity teaching specifically. Sometimes it's more generally related to spiritual practice. But today we're back with the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck, here with me in the studio at the Unity Tower. Thanks for being here. We have so much to talk about. We, we do. <laughs> and you know I love to talk. Yeah. Um, we were kind of all over the map last week, I'm afraid. But the overarching theme for this four-week series is the absolute Fillmore. Paul is a connoisseur and scholar of Charles Fillmore. Is that a fair way to describe I'll it? I'll go with that. <laughs> he has read all of the published Fillmore, but has also dug through the unpublished Fillmore and has found so many places where Fillmore is talking and writing in terms of oneness. You can find Fillmore expressing himself all kinds of other ways, too. But this idea of our own divinity and being a part of the whole, uh, Fillmore talked about a lot so Paul has gone through and plucked a lot of those gems from Fillmore's writings. And so that's the basis for the the series. But today's show is specifically about prayer and affirmative prayer. Wow. Prayer is – Unity's method of prayer is one of the things that I think makes us unique, at least in the Christian world. New Thought prays affirmatively. And one of the hardest things to explain to people whose embedded theology and cultural teaching just says God is somewhere outside of you, and when you pray, you're talking to him. You pray to God. Right. Yeah. And, and you ask for things. Yes. And so I looked up prayer mm-hmm. um, on my cell phone. It says, a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. And so embedded right there in the definition, the working definition in the culture is an understanding of what prayer is and God that runs, for me, 180 degrees different from the spiritual philosophy that that I perceive in the unity writings along this oneness vein. Mm-hmm. Clearly, when I travel from church to church, people are still praying to God and they're praying in all the methods – um, what it looks like and sounds like um, in tone as they learned in their Catholic church or their Presbyterian church or their Baptist church. 
And that's not we're instructed. That's not how we're instructed by Charles Fillmore to pray. And um, I've pulled some some things together, and it creates a understanding of prayer that is so distinct that prayer is probably not a good word for it because when we use the word, it conjures up in people's own um, belief system something very distinct. And as soon as that happens, that can create a block or a bias against hearing what's being taught. I mean, often I say, we don't pray to God, we pray from God. And the very next question is, well, then who do we pray to? Right. Right. And am I praying to myself? Am I praying to myself? Yeah, exactly. And so the it, it requires a whole retraining and helping to uh, recondition people mm-hmm. uh, to a, another point of view. What would you call it instead? Well, I kind of like what our uh, religious science people, they have a new name. Um, Centers for Spiritual Living. Centers for Spiritual Living. I, I kind of like spiritual mind treatment because that's what we do in New Thought. Um, but they have sort of a lock on that one. <laughs> and I know there's been times when we've talked about prayer treatment in unity and there's been some kickback on that. So it may require the creation of a whole new word. <laughs> I don't know what it would be at this point. but Because it's not meditation either. That's it's not. something different still. Yes, and so, so in the the five step prayer process, meditation is certainly a part of it, and it's more than just meditation. And a lot of people have those two things confused um, because meditation is part of our prayer process. However, meditation can exist as a practice independent of prayer. So we can talk about Fillmore's steps to prayer, but are we going to end up telling people they've been praying wrong all their lives? So this is this is always something that comes up. Right. Okay. And so what I like to say is, as with everything with unity, is that it's each person's sovereign right to believe what they want to believe and to pray how they want to pray. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is the highest goal for me is when a person walks through the door of a unity church, they encounter and they hear and they experience unity prayer um, in the way I understand it. Let's put it that way based on my studies. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so, um, so it doesn't make any sense to teach – traditional prayer practices in a unity church because most people know how to do that. Right. And so since we have this really interesting, unique way that is absolutely founded in our fundamental concepts of unity, why not learn how to do that and give that a go and and see how that works? And after all, um, this is how unity grew was because of its prayer ministry and mm-hmm. that they must have been on to something. I think you can tell a lot about what a person really believes about God and themselves when you hear them pray. Absolutely. And my experience was that in learning Unity's teachings, prayer was the last place I was able to shift my language. I guess because it was just so deeply embedded from toddler years. Dear God, please give me this and that. Amen. Right. Right. And those in awful. Jesus name. And yes. Right. And then all those awful prayers we said going to bed. 
<laughs> right? I mean, that had had me conjuring up all kinds of, and if I if I die before I, oh, it's like what we're asking kids to pray this way. Yeah, my mother changed the words on that one. Kudos, <laughs> kudos to <Yes>. her. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, in unity, we hate to make anybody wrong. And you'll hear a lot of unity leaders and teachers and ministers say there is no wrong way to pray. And that's true. You can pray any way you want to until you stand up and pray on behalf of unity. And then I think it needs to align with the teachings. And unity prayer completely reflects unity theology. Absolutely. It is probably the one practice that we have that reflects a broad spectrum of the teachings. And I'm, I'm not simply talking about the f- five basic principles here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it fundamentally uh, arises from the bedrock of unity teachings. Does it make a difference if you're praying just yourself or praying for someone else? So for me, the method doesn't differ. Mm-hmm. And and so this is another place in which unity has made a distinction. It's kind of disappeared over the year, over the years. I I don't pray for people. I pray with them. Mm-hmm. And 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 the distinction is there is that I'm not doing something to you, or in behalf on behalf of you. I'm I'm not only joining in the awareness of the oneness. I'm also affirming the oneness of your mind and my mind at that fundamental level. Mm-hmm. And so um, I believe that when I'm praying that way with you, there there is a greater possibility that which I'm praying for is arising at the point of you. I'm not doing it doing it to you, but because of the oneness of mind, it's something we're doing together. Okay, so as we talk about this, please feel free to call. We love callers. We are live on January 15th, so if you're listening live... Today, it's a Tuesday. The number is 816-251-3555. And we would love to hear from you, and you can ask Paul all the things you always wanted to ask him or argue with him, which he also loves. I do love that. <laughs> so that's how I've learned. Yeah? Why would, why would, I, why would I want to exclude something? Because, see, there's that old saying, I know you've heard it, if we're all saying the same thing or all thinking the same thing, there's not much thinking going on. Mm-hmm. And so it's in, that, it's in that space where we challenge each other, uh, where we might be a little distinct, where something new can arise or a new awareness. And what that requires of each person is a willingness to shift and change. And I'm really good at that. <laughs> if, if someone brings up something that, that I'm really clear that I've been seeing incorrectly, I'll, I'll shift in a heartbeat. Really? Has that happened? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, so where do you want to start with prayer? <laughs> so so since, since I already brought it up, let, let's go with that first major distinction. We're not praying to God. Mm-hmm. We're praying from the awareness of our innate divinity or the awareness of the oneness. Uh, or I would say from the awareness of divine principle using divine law would be multiple ways of saying that. And um, it's funny, we don't have, I couldn't find anywhere in the Unity writings, the the published or unpublished, where where Myrtle Charles says it that clearly, though they they both talk about the idea of communion with the divine, aligning ourselves with the divine. Mm -hmm. 
It was Eric Butterworth who who coined that phrase, and, and I brought that quote with me. I think Eric Butterworth updated the Unity teachings from the, the Fillmore era to the late 60s and into the 90s. And, and while his writings are a little bit of a mixed bag too, that absolute point of view comes shining through more mm-hmm. clearly. So, so this is what Eric said, and this is from The Universe is Calling, a really wonderful book. So prayer is not something we do to God or a ceremony we perform for God. It is an experience of our own God potential. Mm. It is an experience of our own God potential. I love that. We do not really pray to God. Rather, we pray from a consciousness of God. Prayer is not conditioning God with our needs, but conditioning our lives with the activity of God. Prayer is self-realization, self-expansion. It is getting centered within and reestablishing ourselves in the flow of the infinite creative process. I mean, that is just exquisite. Yes. And it's no wonder he had such a following in in New York City. So in, in the Unity Prayer Method, the first three steps are all about establishing, to the best of our ability, uh, our awareness of our innate divinity, or how did he put it? And the awareness of our own God potential. Mm-hmm. And so we relax. Step I, one. I, excuse me? Step one is Step relax. One, thank you. Step one is we just relax. Mm-hmm. And I say that's reli- arriving in body, my, my body, and relaxing my mind from the, all the activity that got me to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is concentration, which which can be talked about in many different ways, but I see it as beginning, beginning to uh, softly focus my awareness on the perceived need. And then we go into meditation, which for me, I, I use my TM technique when I do that. So that, that, that's when I'm, I'm focusing my awareness inward to become more in touch with, with my God potential, with my infinite potential. And then as I come out of that, I become aware of ideas that are associated with what I was doing in concentration step two. And then in realization, um, that can be related to faith because that, that, it's, it's where we know that we know certain principles are true. It's where we claim those. Um, later on, we'll get into more details about that because it's really a little more than claiming. And then the last step has been called gratitude. I like what uh, Linda, Martel, Linda Martello-Witsit did that and called it appreciation. Uh, and it's not appreciation to God. It's appreciation of the very principle we realized. It's the realization and, and appreciation of our own God potential. Okay, there's a lot there. There is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a big topic. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Are we making it harder than it has to be? I mean, dear God, please give me this. Amen. Was was really simple. It was. And everybody gets it. Yep. And so praying from a consciousness of God, as Butterworth says, it just, you know, I don't have any background right. for that. So, So since meditation is an important part of the process, people have to learn how to meditate. Mm-hmm. They they have to have that that experience that one can generate 
um, as a result of their meditation practice, um, independent of prayer. And then once that is established, we can begin to retrain ourselves in a method that has been proven to work. When I was working on the book, The Five Principles, which was 10 years ago now, the first principle is God God is all there is, although you argued with me last week on that phrase, but that that's the absolute oneness idea. Yep. So God is all there is that that is the essential element of everything and everyone. Right. The second principle, as unity teaches, is that we are therefore divine. Yes. I said we're God in expression, and you argued with that too. Yes, because there's separation in that. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. So the way the, the comparison I make with that mm-hmm. is that um, if we called the piano God, okay, and that and, and it's a player piano, and it plays music. The music we hear is the expression of the piano, but it's never the piano. Okay. And so that's that's where I'm going with that as a metaphor. Okay. Third principle is our thoughts have creative power. And we're going to talk in a couple of weeks about manifestation. Yep. I assume we'll talk a lot about that. And it's inseparable from prayer, by the way, that conversation. We, we are parsing it out, but um, our, our thoughts are creative. That's why we're praying. Well, so where I ended up was if if God is the basis of all things and I am also – the divine, and my thoughts are creating my life, why would I pray? Well, so I will honestly share with you, because I have an outstanding meditation practice, I rarely pray for anything for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I trust that I am divine potential. I trust that all the principles are present and active, and that um, that takes care of everything. I do pray with others when I'm requested to do so. I do so from a unity platform because that, that is the expectation. In a way, for me, a good meditation practice might be the highest form of prayer. Say more about that. So, so those first three steps are all about aligning and remembering and reawakening with that oneness we are, Mm -hmm. okay? And I trust when I do that, when I come out of the meditation, that my day-to-day living and my day-to-day desires of my heart are depending upon those principles. And and principle and law is always in action. Oof. Okay. Say more about that. Say more about that. Okay. So there's some really good quotes about that. And mm-hmm. so so does, it turns out desire isn't a bad word in unity. Right. It, it shows up a lot. Um, but basically, I, I don't know exactly where it is, is here in my notes. But but the idea of desire, that that desire is essentially a prayer. Desire is essentially a prayer because with with desire, we have both thought and feeling being activated. Mm 
mm-hmm. at the point of our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's where the third principle needs feeling in it. Thought, feeling are essentially creative. Right. And so that that concept of – so I don't – I don't personally feel a need to pray when I know I'm I'm following my heart's desire. Oh, so I can hear people thinking, "No, I can't trust my desires. I can't trust my thoughts. I have stinking thinking. I won't want the right things. I'll just be selfish." All of those are true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All of those are true, okay? However, our job is to have that so one of the fundamental teachings, and it's like the second chapter of my book, Heart-Centered uh, Awareness, is self-awareness leads to self-knowledge. And when we, when we are self-aware and we know what we're thinking and saying, mm-hmm. then we can be better self-correctors. And, and the person that asked the question in that way, for me, they've already established they have great self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, what most of us do with self-awareness is we, we, we're self-aware, we notice something about us, let's say stinking thinking, and then we do what egos do. We go into self-condemnation, right. thinking that's a method for self-correction, which it is not. So what meditation does, it establishes us in a field of acceptance and peace. And so what I like to say is that self-awareness, becoming aware of self-knowledge, should be in a vast field of self-acceptance. When I accept I had a stinking thought, I can more calmly and easily choose differently. Make and choose again. Choose a new thought feeling to replace the one I've already self-identified as one I don't want. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea that what about my ego comes up right. because the ego is unity's new name for the devil. Exactly. Okay? And Charles was really clear about this. Your entire ego is not bad. There are adverse aspects of your ego, that stinking thinking, which needs to be revealed and healed or transformed. However, he said that the ego or your personality through its door must pass all the gifts of God. And what are the gifts of God but the very principles that God is? So our personalities, while we're human beings, are important for our spiritual process our spiritual awakening. Right. So, yes. I, so I don't want to get too far away from desire. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for the quote as we talk. Well, the one I always use is from Emily Cady. It's something like desire is God tapping on your heart, letting you know what's available to you. Yes. And it's a wonderful um, metaphor. Yes. But, but it's taken literally. Yes. It's taken literally. There isn't a, there's not a God that can tap on your heart. Well, I know. You know that, but our, list, our listeners, either here or in the audience, take it literally. Trust me. Have you ever tested it with, your, with a group? Uh, no. Okay, so it's funny. You've done it? <laughs> of course I've done it. <laughs> so, so, so the interesting thing is when I've had conversations about our divinity and what God is and all of that – 
I, I would say something like, well, the people I experience in unity and the vast Christian majority believe God is still a being that's separate. Yes. And, the, and what I get back is they don't believe that anymore. And that's not my experience. I, I hear language that separates. I hear God's a being. I hear God's off in heaven somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and w- w- while the theologians in those traditions might not believe that anymore, the rank and file do. Including in unity. And, oh, very much so in unity. I never, I never got anywhere trying to preach about this. And, and I understand the desire for comfort, for guidance. Uh, they would say to me, I, I want something bigger than I am. And I never could help them understand well enough to adjust their ideas about themselves, their self, capital yes. S. yes. Um, because we, because we see, we see the divine three dimensionally, and that we are a part of God. Uh, you even said it earlier on. We're an expression of God. Um, we're like a wave in the ocean. We're like a drop of the ocean, but we're not the entire ocean. Well, first of all, a drop, a drop being separated from the ocean is not the whole ocean. However, when the drop is in the ocean, it is the whole ocean, and that's kind of how we are. And that, and that, so I'd like to take this out of the conversation of God and put it into science just for a moment. Okay, we have one minute. Okay, so where is the prince? Where are the principles of electricity located? I, I don't know. So they're sort of everywhere present because everyone can use them and access them, mm-hmm. right? And if we know those principles, all of them are present at the point of me, not a part of them. If you only have a part of a principle, you don't, you don't have it, mm-hmm. okay? And so that's the idea. God is principle that's everywhere totally present and available and we are fundamentally that. So if we just go with one principle, like the, the principle of love, okay? The principle of love is fully present at the point of view. Your job is to reveal that. Okay. Obviously more to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Ellen Devonport. I'm here with Paul Hasselbeck. We have a few messages for you, and then we will be back with Voices of Unity. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. 
who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. You remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Cady says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, we live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego, on dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and, and lining ourselves in certain ways to, to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit, then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. For over 23 years, Liz Dunn and the team at Celebrate Your Life have been presenting life-changing events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. Experience a Celebrate Your Life event for yourself in 2019. Tickets are available now for the International Women's Summit, March 7th to 10th in Phoenix, Arizona, featuring some of the most inspirational speakers in the realm of mind, body, and spirit. Do something for yourself this year. Go to CelebrateYourLife.com and reserve your space today. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Get inspired with Temple Hayes and the Intentional Spirit, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Each week, Temple shares tools and practices to help you thrive in the most challenging times. Temple also welcomes fascinating guests who share their stories and struggles on the spiritual path. Follow Temple on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with the show. Become an Intentional Spirit with Temple Hayes here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport. We're back with Voices of Unity, and I'm here with Rev. Dr. Paul Hasselbeck on an incredibly beautiful snowy day here at Unity Village. It doesn't get more beautiful it, than this at the it's village. It's just incredible. The, we got six or seven inches of snow, and it coated every little branch and twig, and it's still there two days later. Stunning. Yeah, it's beautiful. So um, before we go on, tell people a little bit about who you are. I will tell you that Paul is – and will be remembered as one of the great teachers and authors in unity from this era. Uh, but how would you describe it? <laughs> well, and I would inju- I would include you in that group. Oh, thank you. And, and, and it, the funny thing is that, that there was never that intention. I was just doing what I knew was mine to do. Right. And, and working with students, creating books to support them in their spiritual growth. So – um, thank you for saying that. So what I'm doing now is traveling the country, speaking and teaching. Those are my two passions. I finally love doing 
Unity lessons from the platform. I had to kind of grow into that. Mm. And when I realized I could teach from the platform, that's what I began doing instead of what I was told to do in school. Mm. And uh, no no surprise that. And so um, I continue with the absolute word every Sunday. I put that out uh, Monday through Wednesday, depending on when I get to it. And Unity has given me permission to update or change it in my own way for Sunday lessons. I do that because churches asked for it. And then um, I'm, I'm also consider- continuing Metaphysical Romp 2. We've, uh, Bill, Bill Holton and Cher Holton and I have continued teaching through another platform, and we can be found at metaphysicalromp2.com. And that's radio. That's right. That, so that's it's really a podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's what we're doing here. This is radio. And then as soon as you put it for listening, it becomes a podcast. It's a, a, podcast. a podcast. So it's radio because it's live and people can call in that and ask mm-hmm. questions. And uh, on my next book will be uh, Use the Truth You Know, The Principles and Premises of Unity. Okay. I want a book on Absolute Fillmore. Yeah. Okay. So we, we can talk about that. <laughs> it might be Absolute Paul based on Fillmore. <laughs> okay. And and the absolute word you mentioned is daily word written in your words. Yes. And it's on your website? It's on my, it's on my website. PaulHasselbeck.com. Paul Paul okay. And if you want to be um, on the, the, the email list, just send me an email. If you go PaulHasselbeck.com, you'll find my email address. I'll be glad to add you to the distribution list. Okay. So back to desire. Desire. So I found the quote. I have a really hard time making desire okay. Yeah, because it has negative connotations. It does. It will lead you down the garden path. Yes. And so isn't that cool we say it that way? So when we say it that way, we make it sound like desire is a separate entity acting on upon ourselves, like we're the victims of desire. Kind of like the devil. Kind of like the devil. Um, we, we do that with other things like um, – Resistance. We act. We talk about resistance as something that's that's acting on us rather than that's something we're manifesting at the point of us. And and fundamentally, desire is is the activity we experience at the point of us using the principle or power of love. Love is fundamentally based on desire. And here's the quote. Really simple. It comes from Keep a True Lent. Sincere desire is a form of prayer. Period. So Charles is rarely that simple, right? That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next quote I share with you is very complex. But sincere desire is a form of prayer. Yeah. When you, when you desire something, we, well, we say it's on our heart and, and we're having thoughts and feelings about it. And so desire is the fundamental principle underlying the law of mind action. When we talk about law is principle in action, the principle in action in the law of mind action, one of them, we talked about this last week, is the principle of love because it's desire. So when we hold a thought feeling in, in our hearts, in our minds, we desire that thought feeling at the time. And then that's how we grow that colony of related thoughts, feelings in our consciousness and build up what was called substance in Fillmore's times. Okay, so just not to be argumentative, but... Oh, please do. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, what if you desire something you know is not good for you? You want to have an affair with someone in the office or you want to finish all the Halloween candy. There is not a God to stop you nor a God to punish you. So you can use the you can use principle any way you wish. So this so the the easiest thing to think of for me is is just go back to the way principles work in science. We're sitting in a lovely studio, heated via electricity, lighted by electricity, using computers with electricity. Using you get the picture, mm -hmm. okay? So those are the good uses we put the principles and laws of electricity to. We could also use electricity to kill a man, to resuscitate a man, mm -hmm. to burn down a house. It, it's endless. Principle does not dictate how it's used. Electricity doesn't know or care. It doesn't know or care. But does that mean God doesn't know or care what I'm doing? Correct. Ouch. I know. It's, it's a, not it, what I was taught, Paul. I know. In the Baptist church. So, so to tell me about this. So how can a person of reasonable intelligence believe that God cares and intercedes on our behalf when over a dozen black practitioners are praying in the basement of a Baptist church and get gunned down by a white man? Where is God to protect her then? Where is God intervening then? Or millions of other examples. I could give you, I mean, it's endless. And I believe that in my time, and it was a comforting belief. However, I was viewing the work, the, the, my world through that lens, but not seeing the obvious contradictions. As we have... Um slightly changed the language we're using in Daily Word to make it a little more absolute. Uh, one of the things people have missed is reading God Loves You, Yeah, which we're not saying anymore because it puts God outside of you acting in your life. Yes. So how does unity define God instead? So God is the principle of love. So what we could say... God is the love that's in you. Mm -hmm. That makes it a little more palatable. It seems like not enough, though. Yeah, because we want we want we want God to be bigger. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and and you'll find quotes in Fillmore where he he says God loves you. Mm -hmm. That that's the the inconsistency we find in the writing, and we don't know who the audience was he was talking to at the time, and. To be brash, we don't know who he was pandering to. I know. <laughs> I know it's sacrilegious. We, we call it meeting them where they are. Okay. So, <laughs> so if we always meet people where they are and we don't give them something new to reach out for, mm -hmm. we leave them where they are. Right. It's like we start building a bridge. We get halfway across and go, ah, no, we're not going to finish that last half because we're afraid if they get over there. Okay, and and you know, you've known me long enough. I have shifted on this amazingly. I started out rabbit. We got to change the daily word. I think we leave the daily word alone. Well, there are four hundred thousand subscribers who love it just the way it is. So don't mess with it. It's 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 they're using it to feed themselves. Mm -hmm. Let it be, 
as it is and continue to feed them. That's a service. And we're feeding them um, theological perspectives uh, that they're comfortable with. Um, I, I would like to see, and, and it is happening. So, so often I find the language saying um, something outside of you is causing something within you. I would like to see that somehow cleaned up. Yeah. That it, so, so moving people from that victim consciousness to more of a victor consciousness, self-responsibility, is probably the only shift I would recommend. But it also means something outside of you is not blessing you or uplifting you or intervening in your life in any way. Yes, it that, does. That means it's all up to me. Yes. And that's very scary, and I think a lot of people don't want that responsibility. I think you're absolutely correct, and this is for the people who are willing to step out and take take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 last week we talked about how um, another minister told you, well, people needs need a, a God to to believe in, right? Right. And to talk to, yes. and all of that. And so, I was as I was going home, I was I kind of started laughing. Is is that here's a minister who believes we need this God, all right? But we all have relationships with our cars. We all have relationships when we're growing up with stuffed animals. Um, I have a relationship with my home. I say, hi, house, I'm home. And so we're always creating these this illusion of relationship with inanimate objects. And that's because of our need to do that. And so I have a relationship with my higher self. And I talk to my higher self. At no moment do I think that higher self is separate from me. And, and that's a way to help people and encourage them to, to grow into this different understanding. And I feel way more empowered now than I ever did in the old way because I was absolutely dependent on a God that was capricious, that punished, that rewarded um, randomly in my mind. And might or might not hear you. And might or not – exactly. And vast majority of the time didn't hear me. So when that God didn't work for me anymore is when I became willing to consider other ways to look at it. Exactly. So that's where there was a crack in your belief system that allowed a little more light in mm-hmm. and you were willing to question it. So we said toward the beginning of the show that listening to someone pray uh, reflects their theology. You'll know exactly what they believe about what God is, who they are, how that relates. So what is – the unity theology behind our affirmative prayer. Yeah, so let's see if I can boil it down to something simple. So fundamentally, every prayer that isn't a prayer of gratitude is based on a perceived lack at the point of the individual. Something is missing. Something is lacking. When we pray traditionally, we are asking God to to satisfy that lack in some way. Mm -hmm. And we're at his mercy to do it whether he wants to, if he wants to, and if he doesn't, then we're told that we don't deserve it in some way or another. Not a very empowering thought, I might say. And then it gets us in this mode where we have to do things to deserve God's love. Ouch. So the unity method starts with that perceived need, that sense of lack. And the process immediately shifts us to what we could call the answer or the solution. So we move from a a point of lack to a point of prosperity 
because God as principle or God is divine idea, um, idea principles demonstrate infinite potential, which infinite potential is a form of abundance. And so we shift from lack to abundance and then claim those specific principles we can become aware of and claim them, put a demand on them, pray vehemently, as Cora and Charles said, um, and, and stand in our power. It's a, it's a prayer of power, whereas our traditional prayer method is a prayer of weakness, of one-downness. And in fact, science has shown us the very positions we're aware of for prayer from our traditional uh, upbringing are positions of powerlessness. Physical positions. Physical positions. Mm -hmm. uh, called power positions. Um, Amy Cuddy. Right. C-U-D-D-Y. People just look at YouTube. It's, it's amazing how the positions of our body affect our consciousness. And, and if you think of yourself claiming divine principle, putting a demand on divine principle, using divine principle, vehemently claiming divine principle, those are points of power. And so when I pray, my shoulders go back, I sit up, my voice gets stronger and I put a demand on consciousness, on my higher consciousness, on, on those very principles. Desire, then, would be an awareness of the lack. Yes. And it's okay to be aware of some lack. Absolutely. So th this is a realm of lack. So in order to manifest anything from infinite principle, you must limit it. And so as we limit it, you end up with something and a lot of nothing. Okay. Okay. It's, it, it's sort of paradoxical. Otherwise, you'd be blasted with everything right. in existence. Right. So a simple – let's just say a simple idea of table. If that's not limited to something very specific in your mind, you will never build that table or find that table at Ikea. Okay. And in the very moment that we limit the infinite to something very specific, something called uh, the law of expression, I'll define that for you in a minute. It, as minute we do that, we have the thing in mind we want, but we don't have any of the other potential at that moment. Okay. It's available to us. Like if we limited that principle to something very specific and we see in our mind there's an error in that conception, we can go back to the infinite idea or infinite principle and relimit it in another way. So that law of expression is in manifestation, everything moves from the absolute to the concrete, from the unformed to the formed. And I would add from the unlimited to to the limited. The only way we get anything is by limiting it. Limiting principle in some way. And that's what we do in prayer. We're, we're limiting principle in some way. Say a little more about that. So let's say the, the prayer need is health. Okay. Because so we're, we're, we're desiring health, wellness, wholeness. Um, the, the lack state is sickness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the one way we can look at sickness, take a deep breath, 
it's an overlimitation of a, of at least three principles: wholeness, life, and health. We can limit principles. We're, we, that, that, ourselves. That's how we get. That's how we get anything. You can you limit an idea any way you want, and you can overlimit it. And you can overlimit it. Okay. Okay. So if when we're healthy, at some level, we're limiting at least those three principles, and I'll throw in substance just for fun, and we get we get a physical form which has its limitations, but it's demonstrating well-being. And when we limit those too much, we get a body that might be mostly demonstrating well-being, but there's parts of it demonstrating the opposite of well-being, which we call sickness. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm putting a demand on infinite potential in the form of life, health, wholeness, and substance, I am claiming that those principles are operating fully and optimally at the point of view, manifesting well-being now. It is established now in consciousness, and it now expresses in body. That's how I pray. That's how you would pray if you were sick? Yes. Knowing that the principles are there? Yes. They cannot be there. Cannot not be there. Cannot not be there. Yes. Right. And they're expressing now. It's just that for some reason, subconsciously, there's something going on that are are limiting them in a way that's not good. Okay. So the way I learned affirmative prayer, which I think is the same thing, is that we live in a universe of abundance. Everything yes. we could possibly need, <clears throat> excuse me, is already here. In principle. Yes. Not in physical. Right. Okay. And so we call it forth. Correct. Into form. Yes. Greg Braden explained it. What I took from his explanation was we're looking at this infinite field of possibilities, the quantum field, and whatever we focus on is what will come to us. You're not going to like come to us, though. Yeah, because just your whole your whole body language in here is it's God out there. So think you of it. You have to wave your arms sometimes. Okay, but that's if you want to fly. So. <laughs> So all you so so you said the infinite potential. What if you said and just moved your arms towards you? Okay. The infinite potential is present. And what I select out of the infinite infinite potential is how I manifest. And it first manifests in mind, in consciousness, as an idea. So Paul's got his hands on his chest, so it's all happening. Oh yeah, in. good. So they can't see that, can right, they? No. Right, right, right. <laughs> And I was waving my arms around talking about Actually you were, you the, your movement was not waving around your movement was away from you that infinite the infinite abundance is out here It was you're okay? right Okay and the infinite abundance is right here and that's the that inside in, in in it's it's inside it's also outside but but what's outside is identical to what's inside so why talk about outside it's only going to activate at the point of your inside, at the point in your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay? So even when you do it the way you're doing it, the way it's happening is that principle is at the point of your consciousness. Okay. I'm not going to make any more gestures <laughs> because I keep getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to re- – we have to reprogram ourselves. But it, it it is a clue to what we're thinking, our words and even our gestures. Yep. Let us know where we still are yep. 
in consciousness? Well, so I had a really big wake-up call on this during I was teaching a class, and I began the subject of heaven, and I went heaven, pointing up. uh And all the students said, look what you just did. (laughs) And I said, thank you. They probably loved it. They did. I love that. That's the joy of the classroom. Mm Mm-hmm. We, we, we can interact in really fun ways. We have four or five minutes. What have we not covered? Well, so I want to really ca- cover this next thought. That's the one that's complex. About desire. About Well, it's it adds to what prayer is. Okay. Okay, so Charles said this in Jesus Christ Heals. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're going to chunk it down. Okay. Concentrated attention of the mind on an idea of any kind is equal to prayer and will make available the spiritual principle that is its source in proportion to the intensity and continuity of the mental effort. Now, that's as complicated as Chuck gets, right? (laughs) So, chunking it up. Concentrated attention of the mind on an idea of any kind is equal to prayer. That's basically thought says thoughts held in mind are a type of prayer. Right. Okay? And that attention of the mind on an idea will make available the spiritual principles. So when we concentrate on that idea, we will become aware of the principles in some shape or form that satisfy that thought feeling held in mind. So I'm sick. I'm concentrating on an idea of health. Yes. And is he saying that reminds me that health is my natural state, wholeness is the principle? Yep. Yeah, there's several principles there. Mm-hmm. You may only become aware of one. Uh, however, whether we actually become aware of the principle is is not as important as doing it because what it says is it makes the spiritual principle available. It's like your desire, you're holding that thought in mind, is unconsciously selecting out the principles that match the the fulfillment of the desire. So it opens us to receive. It opens us to... No, receive is dualistic. Yes, to (laughs) receive, yeah. I'm even struggling here. It opens us to maybe an unconscious awareness of it. It activates the principle, let's say, at the point of us. Uh, The principle that is its source in proportion to the intensity and continuity of the mental effort. So it can't be a mamby-pamby thought feeling. It has to be that demand. It has to be that claim. It has to be that, that vehement, deep desire. So let's talk about vehemence because one of the things I've learned is you make the statement, you let it go, you let go of the outcome. Yep. Charles seems to be saying be persistent, I think he says several places, be persistent. Be persistent. Be vehement. Yes. Which is it? I think it's the latter. Um, it's just the way we put a demand on the infinite potential we are. And just a mamby-pamby one-off doesn't do it. And, and, and we modify it. We modify it and back off from the demand when we say this or something better. Oh, so just hang in there with exactly what you want. Yes, you stick with it. Wow. Now, that's not to say your mamby-pamby request um, will absolutely every time not succeed. It can. Mm -hmm. We're just going with 
I'm going with the method that's been more proven. Let's put it that way. Vehemence just sounds a little to me like praying hard enough. So it, I think of it as praying powerfully, mm-hmm. not hard enough. Saying, Praying powerfully, that's what it says to me. And I have loved the unity ministers I've met along the way who just almost hurl their prayers yep. into the ethers I into guess. the ethers and that that's that's our experience of it right so so we're, we're using the power of the word we're using mind idea expression to to uh boldly claim what is already ours okay okay i get that boldly claim what is already ours yes and boldly go where you've never gone before with prayer so maybe <laughs> if we didn't call it prayer we could call it I'm going to boldly claim for a while. Yeah, so claiming – so I like the word claiming better than affirmation. And I like relief. It is more powerful. Yes. Yeah. Wow. All right. We're already out of time. But next week is the 12 powers. Yes. Divine attributes. Uh, I'll probably have my language corrected on that too, but we'll be back next week. Just think of it. We're giving you an upgrade. <laughs> With Paul Hasselbeck and Ellen Devonport – and Voices of Unity. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.